my favorite thing about the NFL is the broadcasters. So this is Thursday night football, right? The Bengals and Dolphins. So that's on Amazon Prime. They're like, we're going to bring in someone who is a neuro uh, doctor. I'm like, what the heck? They just have someone sitting on the side. It's a neuro doctor. And the guy's like, yeah, something's obviously wrong with his nervous system. I'm like, wow, thank you for that expert advice. We can tell because he's not <laughs> moving and his hands are just gnarled. I, like next time they could call me in i'll be does, the neuro does amazon prime just supply a neuro doctor there like uh i don't understand <laughs> right on welcome on into the mj sports pod season one episode five josh we're already halfway to 10 and uh we have subscribers, according to ACAST.com, we got subscribers and downloads in India, two of those. We got two in France, we got two in Germany, and one in Belgium, uh, and then 77 in Canada and one in the U.S., so we're going global with this podcast, bro. <laughs> so we should rename it to the uh, MJ uh, in Sports International Podcast. <laughs> yeah, probably all those cricket highlights that we've been uh, alluding to that have brought half the half the population yeah <laughs> you're welcome for giving them those highlights that they so desperately crave <laughs> <laughs> we cater to the people yes yeah. <laughs> right on well we're halfway to 10 here josh already on season one uh, a little delay this week due to illnesses and homes and whatnot and that's that's life <laughs> right but we're getting this out um as we record this the blue jays will open up their uh wild card series um starting on Friday, and uh, we'll have uh, Mike's Major League Moments rant again. We'll <laughs> do a segment of that on this show. We'll do some CFL recap and headlines. The trade deadline is come and gone. Uh, there was some some people watching certain players in that. Uh, we're going to talk some NHL. We're doing our last breakdown, and that will be uh, everyone's favorite team, the Edmonton Oilers, and uh, we'll be looking deeper at that team. Obviously, we know and watch a little more of them than everyone else. And then we're going to talk a little bit here and um, move along, talk about our NFL Pick'em Performers of the Week, those kind of things. But uh, the NHL season gets going officially overseas with the Global Series. And then next week, Tuesday night, uh, everyone else will get going. I think there's two games that night, and then Wednesday is just like a full slate of games. So we're getting closer and closer to the regular season. The Oilers have one more preseason game left. Um, they're four and three. Those games mean absolutely zilch, so it doesn't really matter to me. Um, it's just guys competing for work. But we will talk more about that uh, and so much more on this episode five of season one of the MJ Sports Pod. Stay tuned. Right on. Welcome back to the MJ Sports Pod Season 1, Episode 5. Mike and Josh with you. Uh, Josh, we want to talk CFL just, just briefly. Uh, and more than breaking down the games this week, we want to talk some headlines because there's actually been some intriguing storylines emerging as the playoffs uh, get nearer. Obviously, the biggest news right now uh, in the CFL is that the Red Blacks have parted ways with coach Paul Apolise after a six-win, 22-loss record over... Not even two full seasons. Uh, last season, obviously, just complete disaster. They didn't really have any stars, and so you don't blame them for that. 
They were starting uh, Evans for most of their games by the end of the season. Dominique Davis and Nichols both weren't available halfway through the year already. This year, Mazzoli went down, and they were back to Evans, and then they got Arbuckle. He did okay. Um, but the problem there, I think, lies a little deeper. They have been the most disappointing team of the CFL because in the offseason for free agency, they signed everyone. Like It's like if they weren't going to another <laughs> team, they were going to Ottawa. So yeah. it's been disappointing. What do you think about that with La Police? I'm not surprised. Surprised it took this long. and surprised they do it with, uh, what do they got, four games left, I think Ottawa does, and rather than in the middle of the season. Yeah, I think that's kind of what surprised me was the timing of it. Um, I mean, at this point, I think almost was waiting just for the off season. I mean, they waited this to this point. It's like four more games because are they're not in, are they in a playoff position still technically or not really? Uh, I think the playoffs are basically done on them, but they are like a win back of Hamilton. But the Riders have six to cross over so far, so I I, I think it's pretty much a foregone conclusion they won't make it, but. Stranger things have happened in the CFL. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that was the most intriguing thing about it was uh, just the timing of it. Like, if you're not in the playoffs, why not just ride it out four more games and then focus on it in the off season more so than a like. Honestly, if you're out of the playoffs, what's the coaching change going to do at this point? Not too too much. Mm-hmm. But uh, I almost feel bad for Lapolis too because it seems like he he has great success when he's just running like the offense or the defense. Is he offensive coordinator? I think he was. For, I believe like, he was. Yeah, I think he was trying to do it all, and that didn't work. Yeah, and like uh, in previous before he was head coach, he was offensive coordinator a lot of places, and like he seemed to really thrive under that when he just focused on that. Um, but. I don't know. It kind of reminded me a little bit of that. Uh, the defensive coordinator from Calgary, his name is escaping me, who went to BC as a head coach there. Oh, Clay Brooks. Yeah. Yeah. And he, like, I think he got a sh- the short end of the stick there because that team was not very good. And he, he had one season and then yeah. they just canned him. <laughs> but, like, well, he didn't really have paid, much to work they, with. Yeah. He didn't have much to work with. And they paid Mike Riley all the money. So there was no offensive line. And what yeah. are you going to do when you're not getting the ball? Like, Mike Ryder, it's no wonder he retired. I mean, he's getting shellacked with hits here and there all the time. And and I hope, I hope like, we haven't heard of Clay Brooks. He didn't even become a D.C. anywhere else again. Like, I really do feel bad for him because he had a lot of potential there, I thought. but Yeah, I agree. I think, like, I think if he would have had a bit better of a team, he could have gotten, like, another year to prove himself if – if they kind of went the route Ottawa went, which they kind of almost did, like they improved a lot in the off season mm-hmm. after he was gone. And they brought in Rick Campbell and like they, then uh, out of nowhere comes Nathan Rourke and they've kind of had like this great season so far. Yeah. So like, I don't know. I just kind of felt bad for him, but uh, yeah, the, the whole uh, La Police thing, it's just the timing of the stuff that surprises me. Like, I kind of didn't think he would last into next year, but like with four games left, you think you almost think they would have just ridden it out. And I mean, that fan base had been crying for Lapolis's head since like week eight. So it's not a, not a crazy thing that's going on there. Um, mm-hmm. Or I should say it is crazy. It's, it's not crazy that the fans are like happy with the change, but yeah, the timing is just so weird. Yeah. Um, granted on the other side though, I mean, there's uh, uh, their GM. It's his first year, right? Like it's it's not a like he's walking through the waters as a as a 
first year GM as well. Like these kind of decisions aren't something he used to do all the time. Um, no, exactly. So there is that side of it too. Um, prior to the Ryder game, I was at the Riders Bomber game. So I've watched the Riders lose to Winnipeg three times in the month of September live each time. <laughs> um, and uh, my father-in-law asked, he's like, what's it like to watch your team lose three times to the same team live in a, one month? I was like, well, sucks. But anyways, <laughs> but I mean, before that game, Jason Moss irritates me this year as a Riders offensive coordinator because he's calling plays that are just bananas like that like the bat the labor day game he threw the ball on second and four right and if the riders would have run it they could have kicked a field goal won the game in my opinion so like a lot of people have been like what is jason moss doing so when lap police gets fired it's like oh man what if he came to saskatchewan because like you say he's run offenses very well and he's been in saskatchewan before um so i'm like okay sweet deal then the riders go into winnipeg Fajardo puts up 300-plus yards, deep ball after deep ball. Schaefer Baker had three catches for 110 yards. That's insane. Um, <laughs> and they're scoring, like they're scoring t- touchdown, field goal. Like They're moving the ball. They move the ball way down the field, turn it over. Way down the field, turn it over. That's why it's 13 points on 300 yards is because they were moving it well, and then they would run into problems. Um, but, I mean, overall, a great game, and um, – but, like, now you're, like, the Riders are back in that sense with offense. Like, why against Winnipeg do they turn it up and everyone else, they've just, like, Edmonton, they faltered. But the starting offensive line was all back, and it made a difference. Yeah. Jardo had time to throw the ball. Um, Bombers were without Jeff Coat, who is the other pressure on the other side with Jefferson. So there is give and take there like that. But, um, I mean, you quickly – I'll quickly run through the scores here last week. So Winnipeg – uh, 31-13 over Saskatchewan at home. All the home teams won except Edmonton again. They set a pro football record, not CFL, pro football record with their 15th consecutive home loss, 25-18 uh, against Montreal. And Cornelius threw a pick six with like a couple minutes left in the game. Was like, okay, that seals that. They were <laughs> second second in goal on the six, I believe, and he threw a pick six, 100-yard 100, 100 pick six. I guess they're on the five then, if, or at the 10 if it's 100 yards. But anyways, BC then goes 34-19 over Ottawa. Lapo gets canned there. And then Calgary stomps on Toronto 29-2 at home, um, which means Montreal is now two points back of first place. All of a sudden, everyone thought Toronto was going to run with it, you know. Um, but here we are. <laughs> it's uh, crazy <laughs> playoffs. BC, Calgary are tied for second, and they'll the winner will – I mean, Winnipeg hasn't clinched the West. They probably will. Um, the West final will probably go through Winnipeg, but that's how it is. And then the Riders play Hamilton this week, and Hamilton's the team they have to beat in the standings to cross over. So it'll be that'll be a playoff game. That one's in Hamilton. The Riders are already 1-0 against them this season. Um, but, I mean, you play it like you did in Winnipeg. I think they have a good chance, actually, to win, and that's just based on what I saw in Winnipeg. But uh, what do you think of the CFL? The standings are tightening up everywhere except Winnipeg is just riding high and uh, it's getting closer and closer. <laughs> yeah. Like you said, uh, Winnipeg hasn't clinched, but uh, I think that you can say they've clinched pretty safely at this point in the year. Um, they've been pretty dominant, only losing two games, I believe. So like, I mean, if you say it, do you jinx it? I don't think so. I think Winnipeg's 
kind of your team to beat in the for this year again. Like I feel like they have a pretty good chance of going through uh, three peating. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, this time of year is always weird to me because it's like it's almost like you're in limbo. Like you're just waiting for playoffs now that there's like a couple games left, kind of thing. And like the standings are kind of solidifying, and then like you said, you got like the riders trying to cross over, and you got. Uh, the race for the first in the east and like stuff like that going on but like uh it's not like kind of mid-season where there's like a lot of room to move around in the standings it's just kind of yeah. a couple more weeks here and then we get into playoffs so um yeah kind of just looking forward to the playoffs at this point <laughs> yeah well and who who would have thought uh at the beginning of the season i remember the riders were four four and one to start the season um They've since gone two and like 10, but that's fine. But they were four and one to start the season. They were third in the West and the East was like one win was first place. And I mean, like who would have thought now the East would be heating up <laughs> it's like yeah, what yeah. Of all times, but I guess it's better for the CFL when there's a good race there. But Toronto like was sitting there for so long and Montreal just keeps winning games. Like you got to look out Trevor Harris and the Owls could get the bye. Like it's, it's going to be a yeah. tight race. And the problem is, of all the East teams, the only teams the Riders have lost to, Montreal and Toronto, the two teams that they will probably have to face <laughs> at some point. Now, Montreal and Hamilton are the only teams to beat the Bombers, right? They're So, statistically, it would go well. But that's the beauty of a one-single-game knockout is you never – you have to show up every minute of the game because you can't – it's not a best-of-seven, right? In the NHL, remember a couple of years ago, the Oilers were playing the Sharks. They lost 7 nothing. They came back the next game one and then took the series in six games. Like, it didn't matter to them. They're like, ah, oh, whatever. But in the CFL, in football in general, single-game knockouts are beauty. Yeah, there, I I have a love-hate relationship with the single-game knockouts. Like, sometimes I wish it was a best-of-three, but that would extend seasons, like, far too long in those sorts of things. But mm-hmm. um, just because, like, you never know if you have an off night, like, stuff like that happens, and then your season's done. I've always, like, not been a biggest fan of the single games, but um, they are also interesting because it's like if you have an off night, like <laughs> you're, you got to figure out a way to turn it around pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, even in in MLB, right? They've switched those because uh, the wild card game used to be the two teams they would play one game. The winner got to go on and play in the playoffs. The loser, after 162 games, if they lose that one game, they're done. Like their season's over. And I watched I watched the Blue Jays win the wild card one year, so they got to play at least another series, which was nice. But I mean, for the Baltimore fans, which being in the AL East, I don't really care. Um, but they were like they were cheesed, right? They're like we played all those games just to lose, you know. And it is, but this year now they have best of three wild card series. They've changed it, and I think it's better for baseball to have more teams in there. Um, you don't have your traditional whatever it was, eight teams that are always winning. Like you add a couple more in the mix now and we'll see, but um, we'll see. The CFL is going to be so intriguing down the road here. I mean, we got a couple weeks left, four games, I think for a lot of teams, um, three or four games. Or, I know the Riders have another buy at some point, which I don't know why they've had three, um, but the Bombers, I mean, they're 13 and two, right? So they have, that's 15 games. They have three left. Ottawa has four left. Like that's kind of where we're at now. And, we have the Riders and uh, Tie Cats this week. We have the Lions are in Toronto, so that's going to be uh, Toronto's got to win at home because Montreal is playing Ottawa, which at this point looks not terrible for them. And uh, 
Edmonton is we'll just say they're in Winnipeg. I don't see them winning that <laughs> game, but they're in Winnipeg. And um they're down they're down for a visit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Taking the sights. Um <laughs> But yeah, and I think the other storyline that we want to just quickly touch on is Bo Levi Mitchell stays in Calgary after the trade deadline passes. Uh, a lot of people think there's been a lot of rumors that he will end up in Saskatchewan at some point if Fajardo doesn't turn it around. The very next game, Fajardo goes out, throws 300 yards. So it's like, <laughs> uh, okay, but um, but I think if I'm Calgary, I'm not I'm not trading him. Like, what happens if something goes wrong with Jake Mayer? You still have someone to, in the playoffs. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think. I don't think Hoffnagel was in a rush to trade him. Um, I thought that it was interesting. Jeremy O'Day for the Riders came out and said, we haven't had any talks about Bowley by Mitchell, but if we did, I probably wouldn't be telling you guys. Okay, but you just told us you didn't have talks with him. So you kind of just... Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, that's besides the point. But he stays. <laughs> um, I don't think he's there next season because Jake Mayer, they've extended him. Uh, Calgary also extended Malik Henry through the 2025 season. That's a three-year contract extension, which is huge in CFL terms. You usually see one or two-year mm-hmm. deals. Um, yeah. Juan Bray, the Red Blacks added him for the last little bit of the season. He was in Montreal a couple of years ago. Um, so there's like little names moving around, but Bolivar Mitchell staying, like, what are your thoughts on that? And uh, if he does move in the offseason, I know you've said Toronto in the past. Um what do you think about his his situation? Yeah, is he still under contract for one more year, or is he free agent? That I don't know, because they restructured his contract before the season, but I'm not sure what they restructured it to, to be honest. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I think I didn't see him moving at the deadline, like kind of like you said, like if something happened, like they're lucky to trade Bobby Levi Mitchell away, Jake Mayer like dislocates his shoulder or something, then what do you do kind of thing? Yeah. Um. So I kind of made sense to keep him just for the rest of this year in the playoff run. And then, uh, but yeah, no, I think off season you'll see him move at some point, but I still think, I don't know. I still just have a weird feeling. He's probably heading to Toronto. I don't know why, but that's just kind of my gut feeling on that. Well, I mean, we talked about this last time after the last game when they lost, when the Riders lost to uh, Edmonton, but like Bolivar Mitchell in in Saskatchewan makes okay sense, but I think like Fajardo is the guy right now. And I don't know what he's had a weird year. Like, and I, I get it. If I'm running for my life for 12 games because the offensive line doesn't do their job. I mean, no wonder his numbers are skewed. Right. But um, it, it's crazy, but uh, yeah, I mean, he's got options and Mitchell can dictate where he's going. I think he's earned that right. Um, oh, I, can, yeah, sure. I can see Huffnagel actually making that work with him, like being like, okay, where do you want to go? Because you've proven yourself here. We've talked about that many times on this podcast that he has nothing left to, to win in the CFL. Like he's won it all. Um, well, and he's, and he's got a family too, if I'm not mistaken, like he does, he's yeah. married and have kids. So like, that's also, that also plays a big role in it. Like if you're moving somewhere far away or if you want to just like, I don't know, like go join, like. Edmonton or Saskatchewan or like somewhere close enough that you don't have to move your entire family situation. Like, yeah. And I think, I think that's why a lot of the insiders were predicting Saskatchewan when this mayor extension came was because it's like Edmonton had just signed Cornelius to a th- uh, no, a two year extension. Um, mm. And so I was like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Like he signed as mayor signed. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, Mitchell's available. Like, 
But Chris Jones could can Cornelius and bring him in. I mean, that's what he does. Anyways, <laughs> but it's, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where he ends up. I think, yeah, well, it is going to be an offseason move now because the deadline's passed, but it's um, interesting to see where he plays. But, uh, yeah, we'll we'll watch intriguingly Friday night. I think it's going to be the game of the week with the Riders and Ticats because that will have a lot of implications for crossover. Um, but, uh, yeah, that will kind of wrap our CFL segment. Uh, we want to get to a lot more here talking Oilers on the other side of the break. And so we will invite you back in. Stay tuned on the MJ Sports Pod. Welcome back to the MJ Sports Pod, Season 1, Episode 5. Uh, we want to turn our attention to the NHL. Josh, there's been some... Uh, some headlines that have been making, well, making news, I guess is the way you'd phrase that. But uh, we want to talk about a few of them. I think the most notable one right off the hop before we talk about some signings that have taken place since our last episode is uh, Cam Talbot put on the shelf for five to seven weeks. He's their prized goaltending acquisition in the off season. Um, Anton Forsberg, I I guess gets the role too bad. They don't have a backup Swedish goalie that they can rely on as a third stringer because they traded him for Talbot. Um, and so I, that's, that's where they're at. Uh, what do you think on the Talbot situation? That's really too bad for the senators who are showing a lot of promise in the off season. Uh, we'll see where it goes and how long that lasts. Yeah, I know it, it's, it is interesting. Like uh, they claimed somebody from off waivers, another goalie, um, just as an insurance policy, I think at this point, but uh, mm-hmm. it is very interesting. Like, um, there seems to be a lot of like injuries coming up, uh, going into the season here, and mm-hmm. um, like he's one of them. And then there's uh, there's guys even from like last off season, like uh, what's his name, Anthony Duclair, I think is out for most of this year. Uh, like Charlie McAvoy was injured last year; he's out most of the year, and like Brad Marchand in Boston, and like. Um, but I was listening to another podcast and it's just kind of crazy. Like, uh, it's just like, because of the era of NHL, like how hard these guys train in the off seasons and stuff, there's just a lot of injuries that seem to come up like before seasons even start now. It's kind of, kind of crazy. Well, and I mean, uh, you see it in baseball too, like spring training is a month long and they're like, why is it so long? Cause you got guys. One year, Marcus Stroman stepped on a sprinkler and tore his ACL. Like, that's a fluke thing that's not going to happen during the season because <laughs> it's, it's weird, right? Um, you got guys tearing things. They're working hard. They're yeah. all season, all off season, like you said. It's just crazy stuff. Uh, so the, the senders now with the goalies have Talbot, Forsberg, and Magnus Helberg is who they just claimed, right, off waivers, I believe. Um, and we'll see – see yeah, where it goes um we'll see how that looks and uh where that goes in terms of senators we hope they can get a good start so when talbot does come back he's ready to go and they can because he will backstop that team to wins we saw him do that as oilers fans a couple years ago we felt oh that's already six years ago i guess but it felt like a couple years ago um and yeah so then we get to some signings here josh we'll just highlight a couple of them um I think a Leafs one that's worth mentioning is Rasmus Sandin. Like there was like a big deal that he might not get a contract or what would it look like? They need him. He's 22 years old. He's a left shot defenseman, like all this stuff. Um, he signs for uh, two years, 
2.8 million, 1.4 million a season. Uh, Jake Allen signed a two-year extension, which kind of solidifies him as the starter in Montreal, I guess now. Uh, two years, 7.7 million. That's quite a lot, I thought, for a goalie that had nine wins last year. Um, <laughs> right? Like, it, it's kind of weird, a value. Um, mm-hmm. Nathan Beaulieu, he signs in Anaheim for one year. He was there on a PTO. Uh, so they've since signed him. And then Barzell is the big signing uh, of the week. Uh, that took place on Tuesday, October 4th. Eight-year deal, $73.2 million, $9.15 million a season. Uh, 59 points in 73 games last year. 25 years old, right in the prime of his career, or entering it. And then Jason Robertson uh, was holding out on Dallas. He wasn't coming to camp without a contract. That He has since signed one four years, $31 million, $7.75 million. But, I mean, the guy had 79 points in 74 games. He's 23 years old, so he's more than a point-per-game producer. Uh, not a bad – I mean, I don't think he was going to leave Dallas. Dallas isn't going to let him walk for nothing. Um, it's just kind of intriguing that it was so long. You know what I mean? Like. He's UFA, I guess, now. So once that's up, and we'll see. Yeah, I think uh, I almost would classify Jason Robertson as a bigger signing than uh, Barzell just because of the state of uh, uh, Dallas and their cap situation with Ben and uh, Sagan and, like, these guys tying up a lot of the cap space and how uh, Jason Robertson was holding out. And um, from what I understand, from what I've read and heard, was that he was looking – uh, for a long-term deal and they didn't want to go long-term with him so I mean uh, in the sense they kind of bridge him for now um, mm-hmm. but, yeah. um, the Rasmus Sandin one is kind of funny to me because uh, I was listening to uh, another podcast I listened to a lot of sports podcasts during the week and uh, I can't remember which one it was on but they said uh, in one of the Leafs games recently uh, they lost a defenseman and they had uh, Alex Kerfoot and uh, Kelly Yarncroft playing defense um, <laughs> because they didn't have enough defensemen. And then the next day, Rasmus Sandin signs with them. So, like, I think <laughs> from what it sounds like, it's like, oh, I cannot, I have a starting role now kind of thing. And <laughs> he took advantage of it and signed his contract. But uh, sign me yeah, up, coach. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, like, just a lot of uh, intriguing signings, like, uh, kind of going into the season here, some of these guys, like, all these guys, I think with exception to Robertson and Sandin, still have a year left on their contract, but they can just, they're in that window where they can re-sign, so. Yeah, a lot of them, a lot of them are extensions, right? There's a couple that were like, like Ryan McLeod for the Oilers, he was skating with the team, and everyone's like, well, it must be just inevitable, and so he signed a one-year deal just above league minimum, which is not bad. He he had 21 points in uh, 71 games last year, he just kind of his first full season, but that guy's a gamer and I've liked him since he came on the team. Um, The way they're shuffling the lines, it looks like he might be the third line center actually Um, and allow Nuge to play wing either on that second or third line, like interchange it as you need. So that might be a not bad thing for him. Ryan McLeod, I think is going to be a bottom six guy for his career. He could emerge as a winger on one of those top two lines if need be it from time to time, but for a career, I think he's going to be, kind of that third line center uh, wherever he goes, barring some magical season that he's going to go on. But um, yeah, interesting, interesting signings for sure. I do have to ask you, Josh, you listen to a lot of sports podcasts. Which one would be your uh, favorite? 
Oh man. <laughs> I hope That'd the MJ Sports like, Pod. Well, yeah, of course that one, but I just mean <laughs> the ones I listen to during the week to get other information. It'd be hard to decide. I got I listened to one, two, three, four. Six other sports podcasts during the week, so it's hard to, hard to kind of narrow that down to one. <laughs> I might listen to one during the week, uh, <laughs> but I guess you you get all the info, and then I do all the editing here for this podcast, so that's where it goes. But, um, but speaking of McLeod, that's a good segue, Josh. We've done six NHL Canadian team breakdowns, um, trying to be fair <laughs> to them, like as much as we don't like maybe some of the teams. Um, I know I've gotten reviews that some of them were maybe not super accurate. Some were fair, some weren't, whatever. But we're at number seven now, and we decided because we were Oilers fans, we would do Oilers by themselves. Um, And then next week, the season starts tomorrow. We're recording this right now, Thursday night. The season starts officially tomorrow in Europe, um, where the Sharks and the Predators are playing two games overseas. Uh, Columbus and Colorado will do that in November. They will go to Finland. Um, and so those games play uh, tomorrow and Saturday, and then the regular season in North America starts on Tuesday. So we're getting into the season here next week on this show. We'll probably rank the Canadian teams and walk through divisions and see what we think. Um, I saw an article today. This one guy from ESPN was ranking all the divisions, and so it's like, oh, that's intriguing where you put some of those teams. I would, I don't totally agree with all of them, but it, that's what it is, opinions. So yeah. um, let's just quickly break down the Oilers here. Well, maybe not quickly because we know everyone that listens to this show loves the team. So, um, <laughs> Especially our European <laughs> listeners. Yeah, we want to shout out to those European listeners. Thank you for making this uh, go, I was going to say viral. Global is what I meant to say. Um, so we'll just look at the Oilers here. Um, I know you like to kind of go back to the trade deadline. Um, Oilers only made two trades at the trade deadline. They traded Legacy away with a conditional second round pick and a seventh round pick for Kulak, and then they acquired Broussard for a fourth round pick in 2024. So that we'll see where that what that pick becomes. I'm really I always like to see like the Oilers pick that they traded for the leg in the Legacy and Kulak deal is a seventh round pick in 2024. Like what, what if that becomes like a Patrick Hornquist or something? That would just be really funny. I always, um, I always find those uh, seventh round picks funny too. Like in 2024, like was that really the tipping point for the trade? Like they're like, uh, they're like Legacy and for Kulak. And they're like, no way. They're like, how about a seventh round pick in two years? They're like, okay. Yep. That's, that's got it. Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes well and so you look at the Oilers after the trade deadline they did acquire two players um and they signed uh Ryan Fanti who's uh since been put uh sent to Bakersfield uh as we speak from training camp and they signed uh Noah Philp who I think is he still with the Oilers right now I don't even know I don't think he'll make the team this uh, year but he's he uh yep. he is still there yeah. Okay. He he's from the Alberta Golden Bears U Sports, so it's a local product for them. Um and then yeah, after the uh after the season um ended, so or we'll even talk we can even talk in May here. Um so they they lost Philip Berglund, um Ostup Safin. Didn't even know we had some of these guys. Uh Ilya Konovalov, he was a goalie. And they terminated his contract, and he signed a two-year deal in Dime, 
Dynamo in Moscow. And then Miko Koskinen left. Uh, he signed a one-year deal overseas. Um, and then the signings that would be maybe notice, notable, um, they signed uh, Nima Linen on March 10th. They signed Borgo, their draft pick. To, these are entry-level deals too. Uh, Carter Savoy entry level and then Brad Malone an extension. So that was kind of the end of 2022. And if we look at the beginning here, since then, um, they traded away Zach Cassian in July. Um, and their first round pick in 22, their third round pick in 24, their second round pick in 25 for the first round pick in 2022, who, whom they then drafted um, Reed Schaefer. So... Uh, we'll see where he becomes. He's a big player. He plays. Uh, people were joking. They're like, why would we trade Cassian for a guy that plays like Cassian? But I don't know if that's a fair accurate. Like, I haven't seen this guy play, so I don't really know. Probably because he makes, he's going to make less than three and a half million dollars. And actually he might be more engaging than Zach Cassian. <laughs> <laughs> Good reason, right? Good reason. Um. And that was the only trade the Oilers have made all offseason, which I find absolutely amazing. The rest has been free agency or something. So Kyle Turris, he retired. Duncan Keith retired and then signed with the Oilers on a – what's his role, Josh? Do you know his role? Some, like, advisor role. Yeah. It, basically, from what I understand, he's going to be almost like a scout <laughs> Yeah. Um, for them. But, like – He pulled the Marty Berdur. Basically, he's going to – live in BC with his family and scout games out there for the Oilers kind of thing. That's what I understand. <laughs> Not a bad job, right? Marty Berdur, he played his whole career with the Devils, gets traded to the Blues and signs as an advisor with them. Um, now Keith doing that with the Chicago Blackhawks. I think he ends up back in Chicago at some point in his career in some management role. Like, I, I don't know. think, I don't know, because like his whole family's out in BC, so I think that's why he kind of chose to stick around with the Oilers and get like that's that true. Role, like, I don't know if you like he played in Chicago his whole career. Like he does, like they did great things for him. But um, with his family all living out in Western Canada, like I don't know if he would want to move all the way down there for like a, some sort of other role. Like I think doing that with the Oilers, he can kind of stay close to home with his family still. True enough. True enough. I. Uh... <laughs> I want to just quickly touch on the other guys that left. Colton Sevier signed overseas. Um, Cooper Marodi signed in Philadelphia. And Josh Archibald, who played a few games for us because he wasn't vaccinated. Um, sad that that's how it ended because I thought he was a gritty guy on the bottom six for the Oilers. But if you're not going to play half the games and you're out and, I mean, he shows up in the playoffs, it's like, where were you all off season? Like, But he only played down south. And there's just crazy stuff going on. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> Sorry, Josh and I recorded this video, and just the way he was just beating his couch, I don't know what uh, what was going on over there. What this cat trying to climb up on my head here. <laughs> I'm trying to be serious, and I just see him mute his mic, just wailing in his arm in the air. I was like, what the heck's going on? Anyways, we'll get back to this. So Colton Sevier, Marodi, and Archibald are gone. Uh, that leaves a total of five guys. Uh, who they bring in on free agent day, they brought in Greg McCaig uh, from the Rangers. They brought in Calvin Pickard from the Red Wings, who will be kind of our depth goalie, uh, the prized possession of the Oilers and Toronto Maple Leafs exchange program is uh, Jack Campbell. Uh, so we have Hyman Campbell next year, hopefully Matthews. I'm just kidding. That won't <laughs> be happening. Um, 
But uh, so we signed those three guys on the opening day. Obviously, Campbell is the guy they're going to talk about all year. Uh, we signed uh, Matthias Janmark from Vegas for one year and Ryan Murray, who we talked about that on the first episode of the podcast, like him and Yakupov went one, two, and we were like, everyone in Edmonton was hoping he'd be there. So he's, he's come home with a Stanley Cup ring, no less. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're looking forward to that. But Josh, let's talk quickly about some of the, maybe some of the interesting signings that the Oilers made down the road. So on that free agent day, they re-signed some guys, Evander Kane and Kulak. Now, Evander Kane, this is what I love about Ken Holland. Shirelli would have, I think, folded and, and paid them what they wanted. But Ken Holland said, I'm offering you this, offering you four years. That's that. And they're like, no, 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 we're going to go look elsewhere. They circle back, sign that deal. They're like, oh, yeah, no one else offered us more. And Holland's like, okay, thank you for coming back. And then Kulak did the same thing. But yeah. in fairness to Kulak, he had a breakout year so I would test the market too, see what's going on. But he he wasn't quite like Kane. But like the Oilers said, we're offering you this, and uh, four years, take it or leave it. He went looking, and he circled back by mid afternoon that day. They had announced they had signed him. What did you think of those two moves, and what did you think about Ken Holland's uh, maneuvering? Yeah, no, I I appreciate it, and I kind of thought we would lose Kane for sure, but. Uh... I think the big thing was uh, any other team that would sign him would probably only give him a one-year deal. I think the Oilers were the only ones who were willing to go longer term with him. And I think that might've been a selling point to it uh, on his side. I don't know. Um, But the thing that always worried me too, is there was still that whole uh, thing with the sharks going on that like, there was a whole, there was a whole side effect or like side point to that. That if, something had happened in that uh, he would become a San Jose Shark again. Yeah. And, like, he could have just done that, and then the others would be like, oh, well, <laughs> like, now he's gone. Um, and I did hear on one of my podcasts that I listened to um, that if that happened, like, who knows if, like, Ken Holland and, uh, well, it would be Mike Greer now, like, had a, could have a deal, like, waiting on the, on the back burner, too. Like, if he becomes a Shark, we'll trade you this if you retain half the salary kind of thing like um there always could have been something like that that works too and i think what how did it work out they came to a settlement that i think they basically top him up to seven million a year or whatever he was making yeah it worked out in his favor there right like yeah so like he gets his four years in edmonton at five or whatever it is and then uh the sharks are going to pay him whatever it would be to make up to seven is what it sounds like which is what his previous contract was, I believe. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm happy to have him back. Um, so much controversy with him and his personal life and stuff, but the player on the ice like it is incredible. And the fact that he wanted to come back to Edmonton after all that kind of speaks to where Edmonton's at right now and their window. And then uh, kind of same thing with Kulak. Like when he left, it's like, oh man, like, <laughs> what's the left side going to look like now? You got uh, Darnell, Darnell Nurse and Philip Broberg's like the second guy in the left shot. And it's just like, oof, like <laughs> you're kind of worried about that. And then uh, he circles back. So now you kind of have Nurse, uh, Kulak, and then you got kind of Broberg, Murray on that left side third pairing. So mm-hmm. it was very interesting to watch. Like you said, Peter Shirelli probably would have just backed up the uh, – Brinks truck, as they say for them, and just unloaded it. But uh, 
<laughs> just kind of happy to see Ken Holland kind of holding fast against them on that and just like if you think you can get more go for it but this is what we have and if you want it to like just let us know kind of thing and and that's not the first time Ken Holland has done this right he um he did this to Sergey Fedorov in Detroit one year Fedorov said well I want this or I'm not playing and Holland said okay go sit over there then and he like Holland was not going to bend. He's like, this, I'm building this team a certain way, and if you don't want to be part of it, then you go sit over there. We're not paying mm-hmm. you to play. And Fedorov eventually played for the Red Wings, I think, again, after that. Um, <laughs> so, like, Holland does – Holland's no joke. I know people are like, what is he doing, like, the first two years? Well, he had no cap money to work with, so he's trying to wiggle anything he can out of that. And this year he had cap money, and, I mean, in one day, I think he improved the team. And the problem I found I had with Oilers fans trashing all of his moves those first two years is it was all Shirelli who screwed him out, screwed them over before he left. Yeah. Like signing signing Koskinen to a four and a half million dollar deal and like all these like big deals he was signing and then he's gone and then who was it from the Oilers management came out and they're like, Oh no, we uh, agreed on these deals and stuff. And that was like but that was Nicholson, like the president. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I wouldn't be supporting that, actually. Um, yeah. So the like, other thing... Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, so like the first couple years there, I I didn't really have a problem with what he was doing. It kind of sucked uh, that you couldn't really do anything. But uh, like you said, like the first year he has some money, like the moves he makes and things he did, like drastic, I think improved the Oilers quite a bit. I think they're still... A question on the blue line, like I think that's mm-hmm. probably where the Oilers are the weakest, obviously. Um, and I think that'll be that'll always be there, right? Yeah. So, like, I don't know. It's hard to say. Like, there's rumors now about the Oilers like checking in on Chikrin and stuff, and like if they could pull something like that off, that would be amazing. I don't see. I don't really see it happening, but. Um, well, he he's not going to play for a while either, isn't he injured? Yeah, he is injured right now so... too. So like. What's what's he gonna be like when he comes back? You're not gonna trade for him right now. No, no, I think you would wait till he's back and playing a little bit and see where he's at. But yeah, I don't. I think the Oilers are. I'm excited for the season. I think they've made a lot of good moves, and mm-hmm. I'm excited that they actually signed a starting goaltender this year. <laughs> well, and I think on top of that, we should speaking of the goaltending, we should touch on this. I've actually had people ask me where Mike Smith went. Mike Smith is technically still an oiler, but he failed his physical, so he goes on the LTIR and he'll earn his salary based out of there rather than playing this season. So if you didn't know, now you know. Yeah, and I've, I actually uh, was chatting with our brother Nate a little while ago about it. Uh, just I always laugh at these Facebook comments, like things about uh, like Shea Weber's on the LTIR and Terry Price and Mike Smith, and then people will be like, why don't they just retire already? It's like, because they wouldn't get paid. Like Mike Smith's going to sit at home and make two and a half million dollars this year. <laughs> and like Shea, Web- Shea Weber is going to make his six or six and a half, whatever he is. And Kerry Price, if he doesn't play, he's still making ten and a half million dollars. Like I think people just don't understand, like <laughs> because they don't count against the cap on the LTIR. Like it's not hurting your team and they're not going to retire and leave all that money sitting there. Well, this is it, right? Uh, Shea Weber's cap hit if he were to play this season is uh, $7.85 million. Um, like he's not playing. We know that, but he's, he has, uh, the, including this season, he has four years left on the 14 year, $110 million deal. He 
signed with the Predators because the Flyers signed him to that offer sheet and Predators had to match. So like, oh yeah, we'll match. And they traded him a few years after. So he's still on there, but. They had to match because Ryan Suter had just signed one in Minnesota. And if Suter and Weber both got left in that same off season, that would have been, that would have just devastated their blue lines. So that was their top pairing. So I think they had no choice but to match it, unfortunately. <laughs> and that, that was a big deal for the Predators to keep Weber. And then a couple of years later, uh, he uh, Hall goes one for one with Larson and Weber goes one for one with Subban. It was like the, what did they dub that? Like the hour hockey chains or something? It was something crazy. It was like, yeah. oh my word. <laughs> but anyways, let's get back to Oilers here. So that's kind of their goaltending. It's going to be Campbell and uh, and Skinner. As uh, some of the pages have termed it, it's going to be Soup and Stew, uh, which I love the nickname. <laughs> I actually saw a t-shirt with that yeah. on, and I was like, oh, brother. Um, so that'll be there. The other thing we want to touch on with the Oilers, though, uh, just a couple more guys they added uh, or signings they made. So they signed those five guys, re-signed Kane and Kulak, signed Campbell, McKaig, and Pickard on opening day. Um, on July 15th, Reed Schaefer signed his three-year entry-level deal. Then Puyarvi signed an interesting one-year deal for more money than I thought he was going to get. And then Yamamoto signed a deal two years uh, as well. And then Benson signed, and everyone's like, okay, where is the money for McLeod? But McLeod has since signed a one-year deal. And then on September 30th, this one kind of went under the radar, Josh. I love this name. Maximus Wanner, or Wainer. I don't know how you pronounce the last name. Maximus. Sounds like some, like, Hercules thing. Yeah, I saw it. Yeah, I saw that one. Too. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> well, let's let's talk here. I mean, the Oilers are going to be decent. Um, they've since released Vertan, and they've sent some guys down to Bakersfield camp. Uh, Pickard's on his way to Bakersfield, barring waiver clearing, but I don't think he'll get picked up. Um, what do you think about the Oilers? Like, it's hard to predict what their season's going to be like because we are fans. Like, it feels so biased that we do this. Um, they made it to the third round last year. They didn't win a game. Do they go farther this year, in your opinion, with the team they have there right now? I want to say yes, but I think realistically, no. I think okay. um, just just from, like, what I've heard, too, like, with, like, interviews with McDavid and stuff, people are always asking him that, and it's, like, 2017 or 2016, whatever year that was, they were in the playoffs, I can't remember. They yep. made it to the second round, and then it took all, like – they got eliminated and everyone's like, oh, they're finally making the step. And then it took till this year to get back into the playoffs. Like just because they were in the third round last year, doesn't mean they're going to make it again this year. I think, I think they will like make it Mm -hmm. to at least second, third round again. I don't know. I don't know if they can make it to the finals though. I think their blue line isn't strong enough in my opinion. Like I think before they got to make some sort of addition there before they can say that they, would be strong enough to make it to the finals, but that's just my opinion personally. But what do you think? Yeah, I I think they get through conference finals again because they've learned how what it takes to get there. But I agree with you; they haven't gone all the way to the cup final yet. I know, I know six when the Oilers went on that run, they sneaked in two days before the end of the season to eighth place. Um, they were supposed to get swept by Detroit. They matched them in six games, not seven, six at home. Um. Then the Sharks, they went down 2-0. They won four in a row. Then they won the first three against Anaheim and win that one in five. And then all of a sudden, they're in the cup final against the Hurricanes, who also weren't – like, Buffalo was on the verge of being in the cup final against the Oilers, which 
you look at today's NHL, that seems like Buffalo and Edmonton. What a matchup. But, <laughs> um, like, anything can happen once you get in there, right? But none of those Oilers had playoff experience because the Oilers were so bad for so long. They just rode it out. Um, but they had Chris Pronger mm-hmm. on the back end. They had Spachek on the back end. They had Marc-Andre Bergeron on the back end. Steve Steos, who joined the Oilers today in a front office role. They had, like, veteran guys back there. And then Dwayne Rolson just caught fire, right? So it, it does take a little bit of luck and putting it all together. Do the Oilers get to round three? I think so. Cup final, as a fan, I would hope so, but I don't know. Um, yeah. I I realistically, and the other thing is, all the other teams are gunning for these guys now because they're good. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like, oh, the Oilers are coming to town. We have an easy win. Um, but it's, because mm-hmm. that used to be the case, right? It was like, we're going to LA. We're about to lose yeah. this whole road trip. Um yeah, and we we lose to all the California teams, but the Oilers, if you push ahead now to where they're at now, guys are gunning for them. Um, they're gonna have to learn how to win and how to brush off losses because it's like when they get in a little bit of a funk, the whole team just suffers. And I don't like, I think like McDavid, December. yes, like December with Tippett, right? Like David, my brother, our brother went. We went to that Florida game and they lost six nothing. It was just like no one cared on the team to even be out there that day. I was like, oh, man. And then, like, two days later, they fired Tippett. They start winning games. David and I are like, oh, if only we could go to those games. But it's <laughs> – it's uh, that's how they play, right? So, um, honestly, Oilers, I'm going to peg them at 48 wins. That's, that's actually going to be the number I do. I, I'm hesitant to go to 50. But I'm going to say 48 wins. They're going to get 100 points with some OT losses. But that's where I'm going to peg them because I think if if uh, Campbell and Skinner both stay healthy, that's going to make up. They're going to clean up some of that blue line mess. Um, but Campbell is a roller coaster, just like Smith was. Like he he's faced injury before, um, so if he goes down, can Skinner handle the load? I think a chunk. But then you got Pickard down there, right? So I mean, it is what it is, and we'll see where it goes. But um, playoffs for sure. Third round, I hope. Uh, but I'm going to peg them at 48 wins, and wherever that gets them, uh, that's where it's going to go. So, yeah, I think that's a pretty safe bet. The 48 wins. Um, yeah, I think like I know we're going to rank teams and divisions later, but I think Pacific's going to be Calgary, Edmonton, one and two. I it's hard to say who's going to be what right now, but I think those are the top two teams to beat in that division right now. Um, and, so I, and be, I, th- I think the Oilers get in the playoffs for sure. I don't think that's a question. And I think at least into the second round. And then I'm like, like you said, as a fan, you hope it's further than that, but, uh, trying to stay fair to everybody. I don't know if they make it past the third, if they get into it again. And I'm, I'm honestly, if Calgary wins first place in the division, I could care less because we saw what happened. The Oilers didn't win the division, but they went deep, right? Like, so it's not like. Winning the division is not the goal of this team. Uh, they're asking McDavid, can you score 50 this season? He's like, I think we've done all the individual accolades. It's like, yeah, they have. Let's stop with that. Drysaddle's healthy again. He, yeah. he played half those playoffs on one good leg. Like, But the, it's always the question. You can get to the end of the season and be banged up again, just like they were, right? So, uh, yeah. But I, I, I'm writing this down. 48 wins. We're going to go through and predict the other teams next episode on the pod. We'll do the Canadian teams and then rank some divisions, I think. But um, – that's our Oilers, and I, I'm excited, man. One week, less than a week now. We're recording this Thursday night. They start on Wednesday, um, and we'll see where it goes. And, 
Yeah, we'll ride it out. I'm finally excited yeah. for an Oilers season, and it's not not because they have no wins and losses. It's because it's like, how high is the sky for them? Right, the ceiling. Yeah, this is a so. it's a fun time in the sports world this month because you got hockey starting, you got CFL, you got NFL, you got MLB. Kind of everything's crossing paths right now, so it's kind of fun time to be for sports fans anyways (laughs) oh yeah oh yeah lots and major league baseball starts tomorrow as we record this thursday night so but uh that'll that'll wrap up our seven canadian teams uh we'll be back with more on season one episode five of the mj sports pod stay tuned with us we'll be right back Welcome back to the MJ Sports Pod Season 1, Episode Number 5. And we are uh, recording a late addition here to the podcast. Um, this is Friday, following the Blue Jays game. They've played Game 1 of their wildcard series against the Mariners. They lose 4-0. Um, so now they face elimination backs against the wall. We'll see what they do in Game 2 tomorrow, Saturday, um, as Kevin Gosman will go to the hill against Robbie Ray, who we as the Blue Jays uh, fan base have viewed as Robbie Ray's replacement. And so we'll see where where that goes. It'll be a very intriguing matchup. Uh, Luis Castillo was dealing today. He wasn't going to be stopped. He pitched into the eighth inning um, of shutout baseball, and they carried it over the finish line there with uh, Nunez. And uh, it is what it is, right? It's playoff baseball. And so... Uh, that's what's going to be. There's been, been some intriguing games today, uh, Friday, the first day of the wildcard series. We'll see where the Blue Jays go. Um, John Schneider, I think, has earned the right to at least start next season as the manager, regardless of what happens in the playoffs. Um, he's been very, very good with this team, very um, um, intentional with how he's how he's run the team. And there's been differences. Alec Manoa struggled today. Um, and you wonder if the nerves got to him being that it's a big game, um, I know he said pressure is something you put in your tires um, or that you check your tires for, uh, not in your veins. And so um, we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully he gets another chance to pitch and we can see him pitch against the Astros. Uh, but the Blue Jays are going to have to take care of business now. And should there be a game three, Ross Stripling will go to the hill for the Blue Jays. Um, and so it'll be very intriguing to see where we go from here. Um waited all this time for playoff baseball it would be very terrible for it to end in two days um, of, of losses and um, it's the beauty of playoffs, right? Um, in other major league news, um, Mike Matheny has been let go dismissed. You could say, I think along with the uh, pitching coach of the Kansas city Royals. So they will be looking for a new manager and pitching coach next season, as well as Tony La Russa is going to call her quits and retire as manager of the White Sox. So they'll be also looking for a manager. There'll be more that come uh, throughout the way here uh, as the off season gets going shortly, but uh, the Blue Jays, it's, it's been a ride and I'm, I don't want to, I'm not trying to sound pessimistic. Like it's over. I think uh, there's still more in the tank. I hope so. Um, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. Saturday will be very telling. Obviously they're either going to win or go home or stay home. <laughs> I should say stay home because they're at home, but uh yeah, that's kind of uh, Major League moments this week. Uh, quick playoff update, I guess, before we produce the pod and send it out officially. And, um, yeah, so stay tuned. We'll be back with more MJ Sports Pod after the break. Uh-huh. 
Welcome back to the MJ Sports Pod, Josh. This is our uh, final segment here. We like to do NFL Pick'em and our performers of the week. Um, in Pick'em, Josh, you're beating me here. Uh, you, I'm <laughs> seven and nine, and you're eleven and five. You went three and one last week again. I went one and three. Um, Jimmy G disappointed me. I thought the Rams were going to take it to them, <laughs> and the Bengals won. And I, I think we should also just highlight a little bit to a Tigavaloa, like. I don't know, man. Uh, he had that. He had he had a brain injury in week three. Like he stunk. He looked like a drunken man walking off the field with help. With help, like it wasn't even like yeah. he was walking on his own. They're trying to help him, and he's awful. They put him back in. He gets clocked down again. They bring like the stretcher out and everything, and oh, it was bad. And they stretch him off to oh man, and his hands like when they all were like. Is that the one you're talking about? The yeah, they're all like hit? gnarled. He's like he has his yeah. hands like bent as far as they can go, and his fingers are all locked in weird positions. Um, and then my favorite thing about the NFL is the broadcaster. So this is Thursday night football, right? The Bengals and Dolphins. So that's on Amazon Prime. They're like, we're gonna bring in someone who is a neuro uh, doctor. I'm like, what the heck? They just have someone sitting on the side. It's a neuro doctor. And the guy's like, yeah, something's obviously wrong with his nervous system. I'm like. Wow, thank you for that expert advice. We can tell because he's not moving and his hands are just gnarled. I, like Next time they could call me in. I'll be does, the neuro. <laughs> does Amazon Prime just supply a neuro doctor there? Like, uh, I don't understand. <laughs> Anyways, brain surgeon that that was, he, he cleared that up for us. But uh, they've already announced Tua won't start week five. Big shocker there. But he's like, He's, he sent out a statement that he's fine and he's getting ready to play again. And I'm just like, man, you get another knock to the head. It would be it'd be horrific, right? I mean, he's a great player. Everyone likes to watch him. But you got to watch out for yourself too. And to get hit kind of the same spot on the head, that was just sick. And, and I mean, the, it's contact sport, right? The player felt bad that hit him. I know they did. But it's just like, eek. But uh, with, with that said, I mean... I don't know what happens to the Dolphins now. They're not undefeated anymore. Yeah. Our, our brother David, his Eagles, 4-0. Jalen Hurts is almost <laughs> has thrown for so many yards. It's just like, what the heck is going on here? But anyways, we will get to pick them here. Um, I'll read out the the games that we're going to look at. Um, obviously, one will be done as this podcast drops. We're recording this portion on Thursday um, before the Thursday night football game. And... Uh, yeah, so the Thursday nighter this week, Josh, is Indianapolis, who is such a weird team this year, in Denver. To take, and Russell Wilson apparently is going to play. There were There's questions about that, but as of right now, as we record this, I had a thing on my phone that said he was healthy and probably going to play. So you got the Colts in Denver. Who are you taking there? Uh, I'll go with Indianapolis. You're going to go with Indianapolis? I Yeah. I want to go with Denver. If Russell Wilson's going to play, I think Denver has a chance at home to win. So I'm going to pick the Broncos in that one. Um, America's game of the week is the Cowboys and the Rams, but I want to focus on a different afternoon game on Sunday. Uh, The Eagles, the undefeated Eagles are in Arizona to play Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. And I think that'll be an intriguing matchup. Um, Do you have the Eagles are on the road? Do you have Philadelphia or do you have Arizona there? I really like Kyler Murray. So I think I might take Arizona. 
Okay, Arizona. And I oh, I just I think Jalen Hurts can do it. I think they can go five and oh. So I am gonna go with the Eagles. They'll probably lose now that I've said that. I'm sorry to our brother David. <laughs> um and then we got Cincy on a one game winning streak going into Baltimore to play the Ravens on Sunday night football. Who do you have there? Uh Baltimore, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's I'm gonna take Baltimore as well. I just like Lamar Jackson. <laughs> yeah, I think I think they're gonna be okay. And uh then the Monday night game. Do you watch uh have you ever watched the Manning cast, Josh, on Monday night football? Uh no, but uh <laughs> I I know what it is and I actually I watched uh Saturday Night Live last week and uh I can't remember who uh, the guy's name is escaping me. Uh, he was in Top Gun Maverick, and like, like the new one. He was not Tom Cruise. Uh, uh anyways, I can't remember the guy's name, but he was uh, the host of SNL, and they did a Manning cast. Like he was Peyton Manning, and there was a okay. guy doing Eli Manning, and they were, but they weren't watching like football. They were watching like court cases and stuff like that, and they were just like kind of making fun of the Manning <laughs> cast, and it was pretty hilarious. <laughs> It's a it's a good time actually. Usually, and they usually have some decent guests on there. Um, if you if it's your team and you really want to watch the game though, you watch it on TSN one instead of TSN three in Canada because you can't hear the broadcast. Like it's them talking about it all the time and predicting what the next play will be. Um, mm-hmm. But I just find it funny those two brothers bantering and Eli's always talking about Peyton's big forehead and they're always going at each other. So, <laughs> anyways, the Raiders found a way to win. <laughs> They're now one and three. The Chiefs beat the Buccaneers. They're three and one. Chiefs are at home to I was going to say Oakland, Las Vegas, um, on Monday Night Football. Who do you have there, Raiders or Chiefs? Who's the Raiders quarterback? Uh, Derek Carr. Oh, okay. Ah, uh, Chiefs. Yeah, I think I'm going to go Casey as well. Mahomes at home. Uh, I think we'll be. Hey, that kind of that doesn't rhyme because it's the same word, but it, it kind of looks so <laughs> all right. So that's our, our pick and we'll update. We'll see if I can catch you in the standings here. Um <laughs> both took the Chiefs. We both took the Ravens. You're taking the Cardinals, I'm taking the Eagles, and you're taking the Colts, and I'm taking the Broncos. So we'll see where things lie there. Uh, the NFL's been entertaining this year, like already, like in four weeks of football. I think there's been some real fun games. Uh, the Lions almost beat the Seahawks the other week. Uh, they lost 48-45. The the point total <laughs> for betting was set. The line was set at 48 and a half, and the the Seahawks almost covered that line on their own. Um, but like that's 93 points. Like no one's playing defense. The, the Lions have the number one ranked scoring offense and the worst, number 32 ranked defense, uh, like the worst defense in the NFL. <laughs> you, you can't make that up. That The number one offense scoring, the worst defense in the NFL. It's like, what the heck? But maybe, that's, uh, maybe, that's why they have the, maybe that's why they have the number one offense is because they play so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the defense isn't on the field very long. Um, anyways, but we'll shift over to performer of the week and wrap up the show this week. Uh, who do you got Josh for your performer of the week, uh, this week? I didn't get to watch like too much CFL or anything really going on this week, uh, with kids being sick all week. So, uh, my performer of the week, I'm just going to take Aaron judge again. Like he 
cracked another home run. So now he's uh, 62. So he's, uh, I think that sets the all-time record. Or did 61 yeah. set it? I can't remember. Yeah, six, 61 tied at 62 set it. Yeah, he's set it now. Yeah, so, like, that's pretty impressive. And, uh, like, how many games are left in the MLB? Like It's done. There... Oh, it's done. So that's that's it now. That's what he's ended up with, yeah. Oh, okay, because I uh, I heard on another podcast last week, like if he if he had sixty two and he still had a game to play, do you keep the sixty two ball or do you try and sell it as fast as you can in case he gets to sixty three? Because then sixty two is useless. But yeah, uh, if that's all he's got, then uh, well, if that's all he's got, then I mean, you hold on to that for a long time, I think. And did you see the guy that uh, the guy that? Um caught the ball he he apparently runs a 197 billion dollar business or something like oh of course he does he's not hurting for money someone said uh someone said he runs a 197 billion dollar business i don't think that number is right but anyway someone said that they're like that's like similar to aaron judge's next contract i'm like yeah (laughs) um but that so that was kind of funny but um i know watching when they were in toronto and they kept walking him they were so ticked off, right? Like every game, they're like, "Oh, this is terrible! Like, what's going on here?" Um, and uh, so then he hit sixty-one in Toronto. But I know a buddy of mine. We were like, "What if he doesn't get it? Like, what if he sat at sixty for the last five games of the season and just didn't?" So he goes to Texas. He hits sixty-two in game one, sixty-one. So, but I mean, partway through the year, it looked like he was going to obliterate it, maybe even get seventy, and then he just hit yeah. a slump. And it was like, as a Blue Jays fan, I was like, oh, "Awesome." But no, props <laughs> to Aaron Judge. We've had. I actually saw a graphic uh, yesterday. There was. They said a historic season. So Miguel Cabrera in Detroit hit his three thousandth base hit this season. That was earlier in the year. Pujols cracked seven hundred home runs. He's since gone beyond that. And Aaron Judge set this record. Like all in the same season, those three things happened, and it's pretty amazing. Aaron Judge misses out on the triple crown, which is batting average, home runs, and RBI. Uh, he leads in home runs in RBI, and he has four batting points off. He bats three eleven. The leader ha- bats three fifteen. So he missed that by four oh. percentage. Well, like, it's just like, oh my goodness. But uh, playoffs get going right away. But Aaron Judge, yeah, very, very well deserved. Um, my performer of the week. I'm gonna have one and then an honorable mention. I my performer is gonna be the Calgary defense in the CFL because Toronto needed to win that game to really get going here. Um, and work towards clinching first in the East and the Calgary defense to allow two points. Um, that's phenomenal. And there was just like, they were just playing lights out. Um, so I'm going to give them my performer of the week. My honorable mention does go to Cody Fajardo. Cause I thought he had a, in spite of losing, um, I thought he had a real good bounce back game with that offensive line in front of him. Um, he was chucking the ball with confidence um, the Riders, I think, are down to running back number four now. LaFrance got hurt in that game, and Schaefer Baker was running the ball for the fourth quarter. It was like, oh, my goodness. Uh, so we'll see what goes on forward. But he's going to be my honorable mention. But my performer of the week definitely is going to be the Calgary uh, defense there. And, um, yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see what goes in the CFL. We'll see the NHL will get going by the time we release another episode. Uh, it'll be uh, – be very near anyways and uh we'll have already played the first few games overseas um and get going here with the oilers but uh yeah that'll do it for us on episode five of the mj sports pod you can reach us instagram twitter at mj sports pod our email is mj sports pod at gmail.com 
send us ideas, new names for Mike's major league moments, things like that. And then you can find us <laughs> wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast.com. You can find us almost anywhere. Uh, be sure to rate us, hit subscribe, and uh, tune in for more episodes of the MJ Sports Pod. Josh, you have a good weekend. We'll catch you next week on the show. And uh, yeah, we'll look forward good. to episode six. <laughs> Hopefully a bit healthier next weekend. <laughs> next <Yeah>. week. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, for us, stay safe, take care, and we'll catch you next week on episode six of the MJ Sports Pod. Thank you.